Happy Money Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect Podcast. I am your host, Chris Ross, and if you're new to us, welcome. I am incredibly grateful that you're joining us for the first time. The outcome that we're after on each episode of this show is to introduce you to as many people as we cross paths with to inspire and to help you, our listeners, to manifest anything you want out of life. How we go about achieving this is one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, that's success. Over the past several months, my team has shared with us some feedback we've received from some real estate listeners tuning in each and every week. Your feedback and your requests have been heard. You know how we roll. We don't want to bring you just any real estate agent or a real estate investor. How about we bring someone who's in the top 1%? Our special guest for this week is our friend Taraji Mazahiri. This real estate entrepreneur is doing some remarkable things out in Vancouver, British Columbia. Not only is she killing it in real estate, she's also a charity organizer for BC Cancer Foundation. And this powerhouse sits on the board of directors for Enhanced West Van. Perhaps you can tell this woman is a very driven individual. Some of the things that she's going to share in today's episode is going to blow you away when it comes to social media marketing, prospecting, and the behind the scenes on how much time it takes for the sales copy, video production, editing, and all the things that comes with all the videos that you do see when real estate investors or entrepreneurs are trying to get their listings sold. One thing that I really took away from this conversation was her leadership qualities. Yeah, it's great having a lot of skill and a lot of knowledge, but if you can train it at a high level, you will separate yourself from the weak, from the strong. Without any more delay, let's go ahead and kick this up a couple notches, but stand by for a quick message from our co-host, Wes Bays. I'll see you on the other side. Before I bring on today's guest, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you never miss the fire content we're bringing you every week. If you listen in from your favorite podcast platform, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review letting us know how you're enjoying the show. And as always, follow us on Instagram at The Win Win Effect to stay updated on upcoming shows and get exclusive behind the scenes footage. And lastly, fill out the feedback form and letting us know how you enjoyed our guest today and which guests you would like to see in the future. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Okay, I'd like to welcome Taraji Mezahiri to the show. Taraji, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited for this episode <laughs> to be, you know, kind of like have this conversation and that we've had a couple of different conversations. I mean, via text, WhatsApp, and then, of course, the one-on-one -on -one yeah. conversation and you just having a chance to meet Wes. And I've been kind of talking you up for the past week and a half or so with Wes. I and think I was like, so, man, yeah. Yeah, I was like, man, when oh. she comes up to blow it up, like there's so much to you. And, and I have a couple notes on some areas of opportunity to bring to our listeners. And, you know, of course you've been in real estate and your parents have been in real estate for a long time. You started off yeah. as an engineer and made that transition from corporate life into real estate. But there's so much that you do in the Vancouver area of real estate. And I know that you, you have so many posts and promotions that come out. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that I really want a conversation with a little bit later is that how much work it comes with. You have just absolutely to no idea. Gosh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, I would so. love to touch on that because people really mm -hmm. don't see the behind the scenes and how much work goes into everything. Mm -hmm. We're having a conversation about that before too. So yeah, I can definitely touch on that. Right. But for the most part, um, I guess to kind of get bringing to our listeners and knowing a little bit more about you, if you had to kind of describe yourself and kind of, I'm, I hate this with entrepreneurs, you have to label yourself like, Oh, who are yeah. you? I'm like, I have to label, I guess for the most part, how do you, can you kind of bring 
a little bit more value to our listeners and understanding what you're all about and what you do? Um, so, I mean, like you said, I transitioned from a world of engineering into a world of real estate because mm -hmm. what I was doing before was kind of that nine to five that didn't motivate me. I felt like I was stuck in a position where I would be looking at the clock waiting for it to turn, let's say 5 p.m. so I could mm -hmm. leave. I feel like my personality is someone who wants to, I'm okay to work until one, two o'clock in the morning, wake up at five, six o'clock if I need to and hustle, get going. Um, I'm someone who can be a mix of a perfectionist, but also someone who's very ambitious. So get feeling stuck just pulls me down and it kind of drags my energy. And then right. I, I honestly, it makes me feel like I'm getting depressed or something. And a lot of people are scared to say that, oh, I'm going to get depressed. It's something that's almost embarrassing to talk about. But honestly, I felt like I was getting stuck. I was getting depressed and I wasn't happy before until mm. I came to something where I'm working with clients internationally now, China, India, Iran, um, in England, even Australia. And I'm up at all times of the day, night working because I want to, because it makes me happy to. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I, all my posts and everything that I do on my social media too, I have a lot of young females, especially reaching out to me saying, you motivate us so much. It's so inspiring to see you That's working great. so hard and going from something that was completely different. My educational background for four years was completely different. And it was scary to make a transition like that for me. And mm -hmm. when I talk about it to people, a lot of girls, I've even recently met in the last few months um, with a lot of girls off of Zoom and in person in coffee shops. And they said, we're not happy where we are. How did you do it? And wow. I love when people reach out to me and I get to kind of guide them and say, you know what? It sucked for me too. At the beginning, it was really, really hard, mm -hmm. but keep on doing it. And if you fail, try again, try mm -hmm. again, and you'll get there eventually. And I've met so many amazing people along the way that um, have taught me how to get to where I am and grow. So it's been great. I mean, I know that a lot of people, when they reach out to us, and, and I mean, same thing for Wes, I mean, we have so many people that we don't realize that we're making impact in our lives, and they send me personal messages, Chris, you're changing my life. I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know where, I, where I'm doing it, and it was just, they just follow me in everything that I'm doing. They're trying to be involved in coaching. They're trying to be involved in some of the businesses we're contracted through and injecting that winning mentality inside of a business and corporation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, when I, when I get those messages, that means more to me than me getting to that next level financially 100%. or landing a huge deal. That's going to give me that next little piece of motivation I need in that time where you mentioned being a little, feeling depressed. What, what tends to happen with this, what, it happens with entrepreneurs, but a lot of entrepreneurs aren't open enough to be able to kind of explain that and communicate it in the right way because they're, they're bought into that identity. Yep. It's part of their identity. They don't want to lose. They don't want to come across a certain way. And if you see in a lot of the posts that, you know, kind of a lot of things we're doing, and I know that it's what you do as well. I'm 24-7, baby. Yep, I'm 24-7. I don't stop. Consistency is so key. It's so mm -hmm. important. And there are times where, honestly, we're all human. There are times where mm -hmm. I get tired. There are times where I'm working until later the night. I have to wake up early in the morning, and I'm like, God, I'm exhausted. But then I get up, and I start doing it again. And right. it's okay to be tired. It's okay to need those breaks sometimes. And I think sometimes it's hard for us as entrepreneurs to admit that or talk about it. But I think it's very healthy and everyone should know it's okay. And if you get tired, you take a breather, you take a break, and then you keep going again. When I feel like my back's against the wall, that's when I really perform. Mm -hmm. Or when I'm tired, I, that's when I, it's like something, something happens inside of my mind. It goes, stop being a pansy and move, you know, or 
wake up. That's an opportunity there. I think that's where the growth is at during those difficult times where you don't really feel like doing it is really putting it in there. So like, Wes, can I, like talk a little bit about that if you can. Absolutely. And I definitely have a, a question for you, Taraji, on this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, there's something for each one of us, there's something inside us that keeps us moving. Mm. Right. And hint towards my question, but uh, you know, there's always something inside of us that keeps us moving. Right. There's, there's a reason why we do what we do. Uh, there's a reason why, you know, you show up, you have bags under your eye. Like I got bags under my eyes today. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, we, we have something that's driving us consistently and no matter what happens, we're going to get up and perform uh, because, and some of it for some people are driven by the fact that they don't want to be perceived a certain way. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's from an ego standpoint. There's other people that just, they have a bigger mission behind it and they have a certain outcome that they feel like they have to get to for whatever reason that is. Um, and kind of hence going towards my question, Taraji. So for you, yeah. you know, people say, okay, you know, you, you went into engineering, right? That's originally what you, yeah. what you wanted to do, right? Or for whatever reason, that's what you did. And then you kind of transitioned and you weren't happy doing what you were doing. And that's a big transition, right? I mean, you worked hard to get to where you were and said, sure. you know, I'm going to make a complete career change. What drives you to do what you do? Um, for me, Right now, at least in my career, and I mean, everyone has it differently for whatever they're doing as an entrepreneur, for what motivates them. For me, in real estate, I get to work with other engineers, doctors, lawyers, teachers, nurses, people of any and every profession to help them with the biggest financial decision of their lives. I've worked with clients who, first I helped them, they were first time home buyers, I helped them purchase their first property, and then they, after that, help them later on sell it for a profit and move on to their next home. I've helped, for example, their parents before as well, purchasing something and then flipping it into two or three other properties. Mm. Um, Seeing people's lives change, I'm a part of that process with them. And helping them to make that decision, I use my engineering background a lot. I do a lot of calculations for them. It's their investment. So we have to see what makes sense. I have to go through, take a look at the history of the property, take a look at what everything else is selling for price per square foot, do calculations, what makes sense, negotiate on their behalf be there for them. I have to represent them and have their best interest at heart completely. I love being able to do that. And then seeing the outcome of how happy they are with my work, my work, a lot of it is completely referral based. Mm. Um, when someone's happy with me, they refer me to their brother, their mother, their sister, their cousin, their aunt, their best friend. And I've been blessed knock on wood that I've had so many referrals ever since I started. And I love being able to make other people happy with my services and being a part of their journey in their life. Later on, I want to be 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, helping one of these first time home buyers buy for their kids or something like that. And I think it's beautiful. And honestly, that motivates me so much every single day. Uh, Wes, we need one of these sound effects things. We need to find that. It's like when they're dropping the straight fire, there's so much there. And I'm going to try to dissect this as much as possible. Sure, and I yeah. think that comes from your engineering background because engineers and both, you know this about me and obviously we've had this conversation. Of course, yeah. Wes does. I, that's where I originally got my degree was in engineering. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing now. But one great thing about being an engineer, we look at it backwards than normal people look at certain situations. We looked and tried to see what potentially is wrong with it. And I, I knew that I would end up being an engineer at some point because when I would have a toy or I would have something, I would try to take all the parts and put it back together. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's how I look at systems. That's how I look at a deal. That's how I look at a transition. And there's something else that you mentioned, that referral-based. 
you holding yourself accountable to what you say and what you don't say and with you making sure that there's zero buyer remorse there because if there is buyer remorse, that's going to ruin future deals for you. There's so much there with the referrals that when I very first got involved in education sales, I didn't like the leads. I didn't like calling someone and not knowing anything about them. So what I did was I learned how to sell through people to everybody they knew. Mm-hmm. like everyone. And once you kind of make that transition in your mind and you have that approach, I need to sell through you and I need to be able to give you enough information, increase your overall experience so much that you're open and willing to make sure that you, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, exactly. you got to go see this guy. He's changed my life. Yep. Honestly, something else to touch on from what you're saying is for me, it's not about one transaction with that person. It's about mm. them coming back over and over again and wanting to come back. I have um, one of my most recent clients. He bought a pre-sale property with me for $300,000. Now, I work with people who buy everything from a two, I've sold everything from a $200,000 condo to a $20 million house before. So mm. I do everything in between that you can imagine. And I love working with these people because, for example, the same guy who bought a $300,000 pre-sale with me. That was his first purchase. He referred me to a family who wanted to sell their townhome with me for $1 million and then buy a house for $3 million with me. Mm-hmm. So that $300,000 transaction, he was so happy with me. He, he would call me, ask me questions. I helped refer him to a mortgage specialist to get him pre-approved. He would call me say, Taraji, I'm nervous. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? I helped and guided him. He was so happy that he referred me to another family that now I get to help and exactly. they have kids. So that's, it's not about just one transaction for me. And it's not about even the dollar value. It's about the connection I have with my client and trying mm-hmm. to make sure that they're happy, guiding them along the way, and then having a lifetime working relationship with them. When do you normally ask for these referrals or during that process? To be honest with you, it's very wise. And I've heard from some people, it's very wise to ask for referral business. And I have, like, if I consciously think about it I might be like if you know anyone let me know because I'm so happy to help them but I found for myself just in the last few years people have just been referring it to me without me even asking maybe that's that's because they're yeah maybe because they're happy with whatever I'm doing for them but it is very wise I mean if you don't ask you'll never be given something that's the saying but for me knock on wood again um they've just been referring them to themselves they'll call me up and say Taraji my mom is also looking to buy. Would you be able to help her? I said, of course, I would love absolutely. to. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. I mean, that's going to be a yes. Always going to be yeah. a yes for me. Always. Or at least I'm not yes. able to help her. Or I'm able to help whoever they refer to me. At least I do is I can point them in the right direction just because exactly. of our relationship. And that exactly. comes you know, within you. It doesn't come, it's not an external type of thing. It needs to be internal of your intention is pure. And people feel that you don't need to say it. Because there's mm-hmm. so much there with that referral piece. And I, I didn't want to trick question you, but a lot of, no I've asked a lot of people that question <laughs> and they go, well, yeah, I ask it this time or I'll ask, well, that lets me know right there that you're not doing your job. Yeah. They're, they're not feeling you. you. They don't have that. You don't have that connection with them. I'm very honest. I, I know that everyone says, like, like you said, everyone says you should be asking and I, maybe I should ask more, but I just forget to, because I'm so involved usually with my client on what's best for them at that time. I forget even for myself that it's good for me to ask. And so when they refer, I get, I'm like, oh yeah, I should have asked, but I mean, I didn't and they even refer to themselves. So I'm happy with that. Right. So, I'll even go as far as like Wes sometimes. I'll say, 
why don't you do them a favor and give them a call and let them know that you gave me your name and their phone number and how we can actually have a conversation, how I can make an impact. And I usually have one of my team members do it back in the day when I, before I had mm -hmm. a team, I leveraged my company, the people that work <laughs> to do my assistant work before I had an assistant and obviously going into entrepreneurship, but it's all about leveraging and it's all about positioning as well. And I think that that's something that maybe we can talk about right now or attractive young woman, right? And a lot of people get, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, get that in the industry. And it drives me insane. I just interviewed, I, don't, I think you were on the IG Live with Samantha Duran, yeah. um, the Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur. She's done so many things. And it's really hard because female entrepreneurs get sometimes, uh, they're really attractive. And that takes away from, mm -hmm. you know, what their talents and their abilities and the impact that they're making in the marketplace. And just like her and just like you, I see that they're starting to take notice because it's, you're, it's very, you're very deep, especially, I think I reached out to you on one of the messages in your IG stories, or I don't know, mm -hmm. what, what is it called? The highlights thing? I don't know. The highlights, yeah. Yeah, that you were, what, you, what you did, you did so many different tactics and so many different things, but you did it in a certain way. I don't even know if you realize what you did. You and, mentioned that before too. <laughs> right, I thought that was amazing. I was like, Thank I don't you know so much. this woman how to sell, but you're still on a deeper level that a lot of people don't understand. I think Thank that's Thank you so much. Thank cool. you. I really appreciate that. And I definitely agree with you. It is very difficult for um, a lot of women in the workplace, especially if mm -hmm. you are even, let's say, slightly attractive. It is. It does become difficult. For me, I think that knowledge is the key to success. So mm -hmm. I stay up to date in my market, what's going on with news, what's yeah. going on in my community around me, around the world and everything. And I think that once I talk, I, people see that I'm serious. I'm not going to come out and just be like, Oh, whatever. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's not like that. I'm very serious. And I'll tell them what I think the best thing is. And I'll ask questions that they're not even thinking of mm. when I'm working with a client, for example, a lot of times they will say, Oh, I want this and this and this. And just from regular conversations we're having, I analyze and I think, okay, I, I think I know what they want a little bit better than they do, but I'll mm. help guide them to get there based off of whatever's going on in the world, what I think their life, where their life is taking them, what's going to make them more happy, more comfortable, et cetera, everything. And I think that um, I have to be taken seriously by being up to date on everything. And that right. is a challenge that I've gotten better at over time. I mean, in engineering, it was about 80% males who were both in my classes uh, yeah. and in my mm -hmm. field. I was the first female that they had hired at that corporate office um, that came out of school. So I was working with a lot of other males. There was one other female engineer that I was working with uh, in our department. And it was a very tough atmosphere, but I adapted, I managed, but I could see that there was that kind of bias because it's kind of like a man's world, especially in engineering. But even in real estate, most businesses are. How did you handle that? Uh, um, I, I don't take shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there very it is. Honestly, I'm very, <laughs> I, I just don't. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up with, a family where my mom's very strong and I see that she is the exact same way, very powerful. And um, it's very easy for men to tell me, oh, you can't do this. I remember when I was in school, I was in a group project and the guys put me on the introduction and the conclusion. Um, this is in university for this big mm -hmm. project that we were doing because I was the youngest one taking this higher level course. And I'm just like, are you guys sure? Like I can do this part, this part. They're like, no, it's fine. Once the final exam came and I beat all of them, they were all just like, huh, 
it's like they weren't expecting me to be able to right. be better at them, even though that's, I was that's, younger, that's exactly what I mean by that is you give off that impression. I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's just, I don't know what that actually is completely of that perception, Wes, of when you have a very attractive, and I mean, the reason why I'm bringing this up because a lot of people aren't willing and aren't able and open enough like myself and Wes to address that. I'm like, I'm not fucking blind. <laughs> you know, so I told someone before, I'm like, I'm not blind. And I'm doing it in a certain way that I'm a professional. I'm just acknowledging the fact that that's something that we need to have a conversation with. Cause I'm, I'm trying to pick the brain of someone of what you go through in that type yeah. of situation where I'm able to make more of an impact and all the things that I come in contact with and, and encounter with in my businesses, because mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the if that's the big pink elephant in the room, let's address it yeah. and let's get it out the way. So that way you would know my intention is pure. And I, this is business. A lot of people are not open enough and willing to address that. And, and, yeah. and that's why I asked you the question about how do you normally handle that type of situation? I can sense that from you. And especially just like you have any emotional intelligence, understanding what the other person needs. Wow, I, I I'm so excited for this um, recording for the listeners because <laughs> wow, I'm so excited. Wes, can you like shine a light yeah. on that real quick just before we kind of dive into the emotional intelligence piece? Yeah, and that that's um and that's actually where I definitely want to kind of head with it, right? Is is looking at that because when just talking to you, I can tell you have a very high emotional intelligence, right? And then you being able to kind of understand situations and people to be like, hey, this is probably what they need to hear from you without them even realizing that's what they need to hear from me. Right, and I can always be one step ahead so that there, there's that comfort level. So one thing I think kind of to kick this off is where do you feel like that high level of emotional intelligence comes from? Is it like a mix between having a strong mother and maybe she was an influence, you know, because of her position, you know, or is it kind of more so into the fact that, yes, you're in a male dominant world and you have to navigate those waters? Um, it could touch on that. I'm really curious to know. For sure. I think it's a mix of both of those things, definitely. Um, growing up, having a role model, someone who was as strong as my mother really did help. Um, and I think for me, myself, though, I have always wanted to take charge of whatever I'm doing. So for example, all throughout high school, I would become um, the president of a team. Or for example, for my, mm. for my basketball team, um, in grade eight, I was uh, a red shirt. So I was um, taken on to play with the grade 11, 12 senior team. Mm -hmm. And I would get benched all the time and my parents would both tell me they're like well you're practicing at six o'clock in the morning and at seven till 9 p.m at night and you're only 14 you're playing with let's say 17 18 year olds and you're getting zero playing time on the field why are you doing that why are you on the court and i said you know what i'm gonna get better and i eventually will so mm. grade eight grade nine grade ten i was benched almost every single game after going to five to six practices a week by the end of grade 10 i became a starter in grade 11, I became a co-captain in grade 12. I was the captain of that basketball team. I made it onto the newspaper and I led my team to become first place in divisionals. Mm -hmm. And it's because I, I thought I could and I wanted to get to my achievements and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Something it also taught me was to be able to say no to people. Um, for me to be able to say no to my parents then, they were saying, focus on your studies, focus on your studies. I come from a background where education right. and going to university is so important for my family. And it was for me too, but I didn't want to um, take away from my sports. I loved basketball and I had this opportunity and I knew I was going to make it. I had to learn to say no to them. Today in my career, I reject some clients. There are some clients where I feel like, just like you were saying, Chris, they do have ill intentions. They might want to work with me, but only if it's going to be for a certain reason. And mm -hmm. I reject them. I say, 
I can refer you to this person. I think they'll be able to help you a lot better. Right. And I respect myself enough to be able to turn away business that I think isn't valuable for me. I want to work with clients that they have an vision. They think that I can help them to get there. If there's something else, I'm happy to say no to you. Wow. And it's very difficult to do that. It takes a lot of practice, standing so many different areas of opportunity, but I don't see that you have this, a similar core value that I have. And I think that that can be something that could potentially prevent you or me from reaching that certain level of success. Even now that with even these podcasts, that's why I do the first point of contact before we actually come on the podcast, because there's a lot of people that I have conversations with that I would never have them on a show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because... Definitely. I need to, it's, I have a responsibility to my listeners. I have a responsibility to, you know, Wes, I have a responsibility to my team. I have a responsibility to my businesses to make sure that I'm putting the best of the best out there that I believe that can bring a lot of value. And there's a lot of things that I've learned from, I wouldn't say a lot of mentors, but a lot of people just by maybe indirectly, if it's free, then that's all, that's what we're about because this isn't how I make money. Mm -hmm. I have activities yeah, I in the world where I have activities where I'm able to inspire people and, and do it as in me giving back. This is my way of expressing myself and talking about something. There's other activities that I do that I do extremely well. I don't need to tell people that, I, yeah, okay, great. We make a lot of money. We do great things, but we're giving back. That's what it's yep. all about. So I would much rather cut someone right from the beginning. Hey, I know that we, I can be able to be an assistance for you and serve you in this capacity. I can do it today. But however, moving forward, I'm going to introduce you to a couple people that I think that they're a little bit more aligned in your core, you know, your vision, your outcome yep. that you're trying to accomplish, if that's exactly. okay for you. I'm like, okay, great. Well, for me doing that, me opening up the Rolodex, you're going to have to give me three to five people. So that's how, <laughs> how you can leverage that. I mean, there's so many different ways of opportunity there. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand and sniff, sniffing out the bullshit. I have a way of doing it. I think it comes from my conditioning. <laughs> with my mother and my mom's listening to this, I don't mean that, mean that it'd be an <laughs> offensive type of thing, is it always had my guard up. And yeah. she was, she's so good at this that she's able to sprinkle, sprinkle in that guilt every once in a while and hit that button for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So yeah. I'm able to sniff it out and understanding when they would say, even like it goes with a lot of people in my family, it's just the generation type of thing and culture that they'll say certain things, but they really mean this. Well, I understand that. But sometimes if you don't understand and, and, and gaining enough knowledge from just trial and error with emotional intelligence, you can put yourself in a situation where you can probably get slapped in the back of the head, you know, <laughs> assuming too many things. But assuming and once you get that sense and you're intuitive, then it's all about asking the questions and making sure you understand what they really meant. And I think that's a whole other area of opportunity we can talk about. When you have someone come to you and they're looking for a house and maybe a $1 million house, but if you yeah. know, then you take a closer look into their finances, then you realize that they could potentially afford more. Walk me through that type of process for you. What is your area of opportunity there with that potential client? First, I ask the client what their goal is. What do they want mm -hmm. to achieve? So let's say they have $2 million capital, but they only want to do a $1 million investment, for example. Mm -hmm. I'll ask them, what do you want to achieve by doing this $1 million mm -hmm. investment? Why is it that you don't want to do the $2 million? And I'll come up with a plan for them. I'll say, uh -huh. okay, so in one year, you want to, let's say, turn this into this. And this is what you want to do with the rest of the money. Or let's say in five years now, you want to be able to have, let's say if you're buying a condo right now, in five years time, you want to be able to have 
a house and an investment condo where you're getting um, rental income on it um, for your future down the line. So I'll plan that with them and I'll say, okay, so this is what your goal is in one year, five years, 10 years. This mm-hmm. is the best way we can achieve it based on the savings you have now, based on your income, based on um, if you're going to have a partner in the future, et cetera. And it's kind of me helping guide them to what the best thing is for them. A lot of times clients don't know what is available to them. A lot of people don't know, let's say about pre-sales. They don't know about um, mm. the investment opportunities they could have. Sometimes they think, they think that, okay, this is what's best for me. But once I open up all the opportunities to them, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And I love hearing that. Oh, I didn't know that because I'm yeah. helping teach them something that can benefit them later on. You're more so acting as their consultant really than it is uh, the salesperson. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it's a lot of time. I've seen it so many times. People think they know what they want. And just because I've worked with so many clients now and I've seen a trend, it's that, okay, they want to get there, but they want to either jump or go through a shortcut or something and they just don't know how to do it. So mm-hmm. it's my job almost to what they want help get them the best rates the best of everything and then the best plan in order to be able to get there finally right well here's what i see with salespeople: that they have a job to do right and their job is to sell a product a service or good or t-shirts popsicle i don't know bag of dog shit i don't know and (laughs) they their their job is to sell that so -hmm. when they get people on the phone they're trying to qualify them if they at least have a little bit of knowledge to see if they would be a good fit for the whatever product service good t-shirt popsicle dog shit, whatever. So they listen long enough to be able to interject something to see how they can position them and sell that. Mm -hmm. I love what you did there. And this is exactly what Wes and I do. And this is our approach. I can care less where you come from. I don't Mm -hmm. care what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, why do you want it? Tell me why, who told you this bull crap? Like who told you that that would be the right step for you? What I'm telling you, it's not the right step. What you need to be focusing on is X, Y, Z. They appreciate that more. Yeah. They feel heard. They feel listened to. They feel like you have their best intentions at heart, which you do because it comes within you. I think that's something that's beautiful. Is that something you learn from your parents? Is it something you learn from your peers, mentors, on that's the best approach to potentially have right at the beginning? Definitely it does come with a cultural thing too, but okay. also from my learning from my own mistakes or learning from my interactions with people over time, I think Mm -hmm. I'm a very upfront person. And Mm. in real estate, um, I've seen a lot of people, they can be sometimes deceitful and lie just to try and get a sale done. I don't believe in that uh, myself. I'd rather just not get the sale done than to risk lying to someone and then something going against their best interest. It's just, honestly, it's just how I am. I won't feel good about it. Once it's over. Yeah, exactly. So I, it's just something that it's a belief of mine. It's how I was raised. It's just something I see with my interaction with people. They appreciate my honesty so much more. Even like I've had clients, no joke. Tell me before, Taraje, we went and saw this property ourselves. We love it. Can you put us an offer on this property? So essentially mm. I've done zero work. I have not even found on the property. I haven't even gone and looked at it, nothing. They want me to go just put an offer, like easiest sale for me possible. And I'm not joking. I went, took a look at the property online, look at the comparables. I'm just like, I'm not buying this for you. And I'm not going to allow you to buy this. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? We love it. <laughs> oh my God, I, I said, no, no, definitely. I'm not going to even allow you to buy it. It has this problem and this and this. Did you not know about this? And they're like, oh my God. Yeah, you're so right. Thank like, you. You're like, not seeing the no bigger idea. picture here, right? For me, honestly, that would have been the easiest sale to do. But I'm, I've literally 
told my client, I am not allowing you to purchase this mm -hmm. when they were saying they want it and this right. is it. So right. I yeah. think that's the way that it should be. And that's how I run my business. And because it takes a level of dominance and authority, right? So mm -hmm. I think where we can kind of start with it is first off, how do you even create that kind of dynamic or relationship with the, with the client so that you can even do what you just did? When people start working with me, I think they can tell from the beginning, I am not the kind of person who's going to kind of sit back and you can just walk all over. I will get in there and tell you, okay, I'll listen to you and I'll say, so this is what we're doing. This is the plan. This is how it's going to happen. This is what's going to be the best. And then I listen to their feedback. And I always say, I'm going to send you all of your options based off of this initial conversation. And then we're going to filter down your search for you accordingly based on what mm. you want. Every client is different and they have different tastes. Something that I'm going to fall in love with if I walk into a property, whatever it is, someone else might absolutely hate or vice versa. I've had it where I walk into a property and I'm like, oh my God, like this is so ugly. And my client walks in and they're just like, I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. And I don't say anything. I say, yeah, I think what you're seeing is great. As long as there's no deficiencies, no major problem that I think will come back and bite them later on or the pricing makes sense, all of that. It's just a different matter of taste. And I have seen it all from people loving something classical to modern to right. something loves old and heritage style. Someone only wants brand new. So I'll work with all of that, but there's some things that are red flags and some things that I'll work to make sure that the client's happy with at the end mm. of the day. It's all about educating your buyer. A lot of people, when, especially with ones that they think they know it all. I love to do this. Definitely. I love to do this shit is when I walk up to the place or I'm going to, I don't know, whatever the sales process is. Right. And it doesn't matter. I'm like, here's what I wanted to do. I want you to see it for yourself. I want you to then give me an idea and get and share with me some of your feedback on actually what you see. And then I'm going to tell you what I see. I do that as Fair well. Enough? And I think it's so smart. hundred <laughs> percent. I definitely do that too. I, whenever I walk out of the property for the first time, especially, I'll say, so what did you guys think? There Every single time. I don't even say anything. I say, so what did you guys think? Maybe when I'm in the suite, I'll point out something, but after we come out, I'll get their feedback. The and then after that, I'll say, you know what? I see what you're saying, but based on this and this and this, I think this as well. And then we'll work together to try and get to the final result. Think about just for a second. I mean, the movies, right? So think about, it's all about the journey for a second. Like the movies, when you go and you watch a movie and it's a, a new family or well, they're just getting married and then that experience you don't remember the person a realtor you remember mm -hmm. the conversation that they have yeah that's what and it is setting up that conversation setting up that experience for them to enjoy that piece exactly how much do you think about that and i know you do okay because i know i already know where your mind is and i think that you're genius on this how much do you set up the experience and the journey for them to really feel a certain room maybe something that they mentioned prior to you bringing them to that house that you know it might be a good huge point for them. How much do you, not set them up, but increasing their experience of be able to make sure that they understand it? For me, it's very important to have a relationship with my clients where they feel comfortable with me, where they mm. feel that they can trust me, where they feel like um, they can even be my friend. They can talk to me about anything openly. So I'll talk to them about, okay, I'll say, uh, you have kids, you have a dog. It's important for you to, um, you went to school here. You like this, your work, this is going to be a very easy bike route for you to get to your work. I'll listen to what they say and I'll talk to them about similar experiences that I have. And I think something that has helped me in my career a lot is being honest about things that I love and 
that I hate. Also my weaknesses with my clients. I'll say, mm-hmm. I suck at whatever this, like if you're really good at sports, I suck at sports. Like I'll say stuff that it's my weaknesses too, to build that relationship. Say, mm-hmm. you love this. I totally feel that. I love that too. I've traveled to here as well before. Culture, like I have clients who are, for example, a lot of Chinese clients and I'll talk to them about saying how um, I've been to China. I love this about it. I love that about your culture. And I'll say, but I don't know this. And what do you guys think about this? So forming that bond with people um, and then seeing what they like and dislike and building that friendship, I think is very important. I love mm-hmm. it when clients just call me or text me to talk about something even that isn't to do with right. real estate because they feel so comfortable you know you're an impact. about it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not about just a relationship of, you know, during that transaction. I mean, you mentioned before it's multiple transactions, but it's not just exactly. a transaction. It's about you build, building community and building relationships with people because you have no idea who that you're going to meet one day and they go, Taraji, that's the person you need to work with. And mm-hmm. it could be a billionaire. Exactly. could be, and it doesn't matter about the impact. It's about me tapping into every network that potentially you have. And as long as you got, if I pop in your head of, in a full room full of opportunities and you mentioned my name, that's, from years and touch points of me doing always the right thing for you, or why you would actually say my name. And that comes from 100%. your subconscious mind. That's 100%. beautiful. Uh, one thing that I learned to just treat everyone the same way, no matter who they are, what they are. I went to an event where um, everyone was sitting in my group together and I was sitting separately just because there was a mix up and they couldn't seat me with the group that I was familiar with. So mm-hmm. I ended up sitting next to this woman who um, she was an older woman who um, I had never met before. We had nothing in common really from what it seemed. She was just sitting by herself. I was sitting by myself and I decided to just start a conversation with her. I said, hi, how, how's it going? Like what brought you here to this event? I'm here for this reason. And we just started having such a good conversation. And I, we were talking about how she's from the same um, city as I am and how she grew up here, very similar to me. And our conversations were so good that by the end of it, she told me that she's uh, very good friends with the mayor of West Vancouver, which is where I live in now. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I think you're such a powerful and strong young woman. I would love to introduce you to one of my best friends, Marianne Booth, who's the mayor. I think it would be such a great connection. And I said, wow, that's incredible. Of course, I would love to meet the mayor. And I ended up meeting with her and the group that she was sitting with happened to be like, I told you, I'm going to be on the board of directors of Enhanced West Van. Right. The president of Enhanced West Van was in that meeting and he said, I think you would be a great member. And I'm officially going to be the youngest member on that board. Wow, of people who are over 10 years older than me, just because I made that connection with someone who I didn't know. She got a good impression from me, a good vibe. And I could have as easily just been on my phone, not really talked to her just because I didn't mm-hmm. know her and nothing would have come of it. And now so many doors have opened up for me and I've met such interesting, smart, educated people. And I feel very honored and it's because I made that connection. So definitely connections are so important. You took the time to make that connection. A lot of people aren't going to make that connection, spend that time. And that's what she felt that in-depth conversation and why she was so open to share something with you. And then, hey, I can introduce you to here because what she was doing, she was rewarding you to be able to say, hey, thank you so much for having an in-depth conversation with me. Of course, yeah. And and this kind of great question um, that I received from, I don't know who was, Wes asked me this question. Maybe we're together. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, maybe it's just someone I was talking to. Or like, what kind of advice would you give to someone that maybe wants to, it was a dating question. It's like if someone that wants to date, I was like, dating, same thing as sales. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I said, you know how to make someone really interested in you? Be interested in them. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely, 100%. That's it. I completely agree with that. So I'm, all, I'm, all I try to do in every encounter, I'm just interested. I'm just a curious individual. If you said that you went to UConn, okay, hey, it was basketball, girls basketball, boys basketball, then I'm going to start doing, going and drilling down to the layers and finding something we can connect on. And then Definitely. once you find something to connect on, then it's just a natural conversation. So many people, and they put a piece of paper in front of them and they're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, what kind of advice would you give? I guess I don't want to go with someone brand new because it's not your level, right? So mm-hmm. you own a business, you're running a corporation, you're running, you have so many people working underneath you. And I think we had a similar conversation about this, that yeah. you work together as one unit, one mission, one heartbeat. I love that. What kind of advice would you give someone listening to this if they're a realtor and they want to make that next leap and actually owning their own realtor business or maybe going into digital, like what advice would you give them? First off, consistency is very key, definitely. There have been times where I have gotten tired where I've been like, why? Like there are times where I've been trying to work on a transaction and it just doesn't come through. Like I've had to go back and forth for months trying to get a deal together for it. And I've been so frustrated and times where it was easier to give up, I didn't. And I think we're all going to come into this in our business, especially at least I know in real estate where you get tired, where you're like, why are none of my deals going through? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? To not give up and keep go pushing through and being Mm -hmm. consistent with your work. So um, for me right now, social media and Instagram have been a huge part of my business and growing it. And um, there were times where people would tell me like, what are you talking about? Like social media, it's, like that's not going to work for you what are you saying because it wasn't the norm um even five years ago people were not posting this much on instagram people were not getting business through social media that just wasn't a normal thing so for me to come in all of a sudden as a younger uh, individual in the business and say this is what i want to do and there's a risk of full-on failure it was scary as hell for me because there was people who were way more experienced than me including might i add my own mother she was like Mm -hmm social media like I didn't do my business like that I didn't go like that like that's not how we did it that's not like how I grew whatever now she's saying like so when are we doing another video again now, when are we <laughs> right, doing yeah. this again? she's just like oh like so that's she's amazing like- presence you can that's tell that bug. she's done an amazing job with you and I think that's amazing but Wes go ahead and touch on that I think that has everything to do with the culture I believe on top of yeah that. no absolutely um I guess you know just a question is how how has that influenced uh your business so far like when did you get started on social media and how has it influenced the business Honestly, it's just been, I think, a couple years where I started my platform. I mean, I had my page, this page that I have now at Taraji M, this was my personal page. So mm-hmm. I did have a big following just because I was born and raised in Vancouver. So I did have mm-hmm. a lot of friends who were local following me on there, but it wasn't a business page. And then one day I decided, you know what, if I want to be successful in this, I have to be taken seriously and I take myself seriously. So I yes. converted my personal page into my business page. And then I started kind of posting, but I was lazy about it and I wasn't really doing too much. And I said, you know what, if I want to actually be successful, I have to be consistent, do this every single day and think outside the box and be one step ahead of one step ahead of everyone else. And people will tell me, Oh, you're crazy. Like that's just not going to work. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? And I said, you know what, maybe I am crazy, but worst thing that's going to happen is that I fail and at least <laughs> right. I learned something from it. Mm-hmm. So I said, and it was very difficult for me being in front of the camera. So difficult for me. Like you think that it's easy and people say, Oh, oh but it's not easy. You're, you're pretty. Like it should be easy. Oh my God. Like I am the biggest critic of myself. I think I'm like, do I look at it? And never, I'm what I'm saying. Does it make sense? Or am I mumbling all of this? 
at some point you have to just say, you know what? I'm going to put all that aside. I'm just going to do it. And that is it. When I started get out your own head, get out your own head. Sucked. Let me tell you, I would have to record something like 20 times before I was okay with it once. This is me being fully honest until I was like, you know what? Nope. I'm just going to do this once and it's going to be fine. It is what it Mm -hmm. is. And Mm -hmm. it was hard at the beginning, but then I said, you know what? I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to post, I'm going to learn from other people, go and see what I like, what I don't like, see what people are doing. Ask people, ask questions from people who are successful in doing this and just do it. And honestly, knock on wood again, till now, it's been really great for me. And I've met so many incredible people just like you too. And I've learned from so many people along the way. And I get so much business off of my Instagram, off of people saying, that house that you posted, can I come see it? It's disarming not to talk over you. And I, and I think that it's something to bring up because a lot of people, they think they have to be salesy. You don't no, just be your damn all. self, man. 100%. And I, that's, that's your page. You're, you are you. It's just something you're doing. And I think Let that that's a lot of people are connecting on that level with you. For sure. Some, I got a very good advice from one of my friends who's also very successful at growing their Instagram business off their page. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't just talk about real estate. Talk about something else too that is interesting for you because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're all people and people want to connect with you because you're you. At, right. There will always be people who choose to work with me and not someone else and vice versa. So off my page, at least I, I love fashion. I love dressing well. I love stuff like that. So I'll have things that where I'm dressed well on my page too, because it represents me. I love charity work. I'm very, very passionate yeah. about it. So I'll answer foundation. I love that. Exactly. I'll also post about that because it's something that interests me. So for me, it's some stuff to do with dressing well, which is also related to my business, full on real estate, hundred percent. And then also charity. So right. it'll kind of tie in people to my personality too. And I feel like people will want to work with me because they get to know me it's more. Engaging. They'll see I'm a human being. I'll sometimes even post about my family. I'll post about um, my dog, things that are real, but to a certain extent, and then post more about my work that and be consistent about it every single day. Mm-hmm. Have, have you found that, you know, with you being doing that consistently and now getting clients from it, are you finding that your clients are more, I guess how you say, um, connected with you or like they're more like your ideal client more so than just maybe somebody off the street um yes and no um i think every person is different there can always be someone you meet off of social media too that Mm -hmm. you end up let's say not clicking with as well as someone you meet off the street but Mm -hmm. i feel like with social media people already have a dive into your life so they kind of already know about your personality the way you think the way you do your business and if someone is choosing me off of my social media platform is because they like the way that I do business. They like the way that I think about real estate mm-hmm. and how I help clients because that's what I showcase off of my page. So um, there are friends, for example, that I don't see for years and I only see their life on Facebook and Instagram. And then when we meet up, I already know so much about what's going, been going on with them because of that. Same thing for clients who choose to work with me. They know so much about me already. Right. So it's going to be a yes or no, very dependent, but it does help a lot more for sure. Right. I wanted to touch on one thing real quick and you just mentioned it. I think it triggered my mind and just a loop sure. back. A lot of people, when they come to you, even it could be social media, it could be whatever type of situation and maybe you're selling through them and you get hooked up with their brother-in-law. I don't know. And yeah. you have an opportunity to work with them. I see a lot of inexperienced salespeople and I've seen it actually, people, millionaires do this. They spend less time with them. That's my opportunity to spend more time with them and develop their own separate connection with them. 
not through the other person. And I see a lot of people fail at this, that they think that the referral sale is the easiest sale. No, it's just I paid $0 for marketing. That's all it means to me. I'm going to treat you the same way. Same process, same questions, same connection, same outcome, and that's winning. So, and I think that's something you do great, and I love that about you. Thank you so much. Yeah, like I said, I'll work with the same, and I'll treat a client the same, whether they're buying a $300,000 property mm-hmm. or they want to buy, let's say, a $10 million property. I will treat them the same. I will be just as patient with them. I'll explain everything to them because for that person buying that three hundred k property, that is a huge investment for them. That's the biggest investment for them. The right. same way is for someone who's buying that $10 million one. It's the same kind of scary process where they want to have their questions answered. They don't want to be losing money in it. So it's important. And like I said, that 300 k can refer you to someone else who could be a 10 million or they can eventually start buying more and more with you. Like you never know. It's so important. No matter who it is, treat them the exact same way for all my listings. For example, I will create brochures, videos, um, photography with the exact same caliber because Mm -hmm. why should I treat you any differently? For me, it's about having, it's my name, my brand and having a certain level that I keep all of my work to. And like I said, it's about being consistent. Right. And that consistency actually brings you more business than you probably would ever know. Especially, I think I saw some of your posts and some of your content. You posted something really late at night. I know that was like around like 11, 12-ish your time, like working on another listing. And then yep. you're up again at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. or doing something else and posting again. I don't know if it was your team doing or whatever, but that gives off the impression that, that you're going to work hard <laughs> for your clients. 100%. That's, that's huge. For people, like I want to know if I have a realtor, and which you know, obviously I do, and I have a real. I want to know they're going to bust their ass for me. They're they're legit, and that's how you know they're legit or not. Definitely, hundred percent. And I will prioritize my clients. I something that I do for them is I uh, open a portfolio for every individual client based on their needs, and I'll filter down searches after every meeting, after every conversation, and I'll have them set up so they automatically receive first before anyone properties that come up and I have some off-market ones that will automatically be sent to them. So that's an initial way that I help them out. And every single day I will go and analyze at the end of the day too things that come up and I'll talk to them about it. Say, Hey, did you notice this that I emailed you? Did you see this? We should go see this. There have been times where I thought something was going to go in one day. My client was at work. I called her on uses the phone. these snaps at the right time, Wes. I, <laughs> I, I, might just, I called her and I said, this just came onto the market. 30 minutes ago, where are you? She said, I'm at work. I said, I'm coming and I'm picking you up from your work. We're going to go take a look at this. I think we're going to write on this. She said, what, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. Like I'll just come after work. I said, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to come pick you up right now. I'm going to be outside your work in 10 minutes. Come down. I'm going to drive you. Let's go take a look. And this is exactly what happened. She said, I love it. She said, let's write. And we wrote one day after us, they got two backup offers and um, for prices wow. higher than us. So I saved her. $30,000 on that property because I was on top of it first and her time was valuable for me and she respected me for that. And then she referred me to other people too after that. It all came from you putting yourself in a situation and made it your part of your business and know what she really wanted. Yep. hundred percent. That, that's something that you, I don't think Wes, you can teach people and it, it, it's either you're born with it or you, I think that's something that just comes with it. Maybe it's just your exposure culture. <laughs> I don't know. Like people say to sometimes like, well, how would you label yourself? I'm like, I'm just a hustler. Just has to be great in sales. I'm a hustle. If mm-hmm. it was a lawn care business, which I owned one of those when I was a kid and people started this, <laughs> I think I shared that story with someone once that 
I had a lawn care business. I took over a neighborhood. And then once I had enough clientele or people, older people are cutting grass because they couldn't cut the grass. Other kids came to me and said, like, I want to cut their, their grass. I'm like, well, you can cut the grass, but you're going to have to give me a percent. I had a business at, at the beginning. Wow. I think, it, you know, Good so you. Right, it's just, it comes with that. Um, even with, even when I have school, I never got in trouble for this. But you know, like the bags of candy, they'll sell for like some type of foundation or whatnot. I, it's like I went in the barber shop and I knew that the next door thing, I can go get candy. And I bought a bunch of candy wholesale because my granddad would give me anything I needed, right? Always a granddad. Mm -hmm. So then I take the candy and put it in a bag and I was selling. They were like, Chris, you're not signed up to do to sell the candy. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I would you have were a businessman from the beginning. Right, yeah. I was all about business, man. I'm going to make money. That's this is awesome. what I'm going to do. Like this it. is all about, but it's not, a, now it's shifted to not just making money. It's about how can I make an impact to help others make money? 100%. Yeah. Cause money is just the outcome. It's just what they pay us with. Cause they don't know what to pay us with. <laughs> so, Honestly, people yeah. ask me, they said, what motivates you? Because for some people I've heard, and I've asked other people this question too. Yeah. Some people tell me money is what motivates me. And honestly, to be honest with you, there's no wrong answer to this because mm -hmm. whatever motivates you, that's great. Like it's motivating you. People have told me money is what motivates me. Some people say that um, it's my wanting to build my family that motivates me. For me right now, well, I'm at least for myself, I'm not married and I don't have a family yet. So for me, what motivates me is motivating others, inspiring others, wanting to get people onto that next level and seeing them be happy with my result, that's what motivates me. So mm -hmm. I love that being able to, people say, that's incredible. Oh my God, I didn't know that you taught me something. Thank you so much for your work. That feeling that really motivates me and pushes me right. to wanting to do even more of that. At least for me, that's how I feel right. every single day. Being plugged into your energy source and it's all about recycling energy. As I'm having a conversation with you and I talk about this a lot, it, people ask like, what do you really do for a living? And how do you make such an impact? So I know how to transfer energy positively and the way that I need to, to make an impact at the right time. So I'm mm -hmm. talking to you and transferring my energy within you. And then obviously right when I'm having a conversation based on your facial expressions, your body language, the way that you're acting, maybe some of the way that you're speaking and how you're speaking, high pitched voice, excited, laughing, whatever. I'm going to sense that, right? Well, yeah. so now you're transferring it right back into me and I'm recycling that energy. Yeah, recycling energy and only doing it in a positive way and an outcome that's infectious. I agree. People do not you. understand how powerful that is. So I, I love that about you. I think that just some of the huge Thank things you. that you're going to be able to do, and you're welcome. I've got one question, and I know that we're, I don't know how much time you have, but I really wanted to touch on this and a lot of the videos and the stuff you see on social media, the Instagram, mm -hmm. but people have no idea how much work. <laughs> it comes from, from just that listing, that promotion, that 45 second video, that, that minute video. Can you talk about that just for a second? And I, I think that's something a lot of people don't understand. For sure. Yeah. People just see off of social media, like let's say if that 45 second video or that just one photo or post or whatever, mm -hmm. there is so much work that goes on behind that. And it's not even just one person. It's a team of people. Um, First off, if it's for the videos, the filming, the filming takes hours, like anywhere from, I would say five hours to eight hours of just filming. And sometimes it's two days of filming because we'll miss some scenes or we have to do the drone shots on a different day. We couldn't do it the same day. Different uh, crews, camera people that come to help us with that different. Sometimes we have lighting people depending on the kind of production we're trying to make. And then the script. It's me working with the videographer to come up with a script that works. Also working with the client. For example, we're working with Anthem Properties right now on their development. And 
I have to first come up with the idea for the script. And after that, work with the videographer to come up with it, approve it by the developer. <laughs> once yeah. he gives me feedback, I have to go back, change it again. That yeah. by itself is hours of work. And then once you film it, do all of that, they come back and tell you, oh, but I don't like this. We have to go do it again. And then after that, it's all the editing. They don't like the editing or I don't like the editing. So we have to change that around. And finally, the text over the screen. There it um, is. The different, oh, like there is so much. It's like small details. Five seconds. So small making details. Making it for your man. stories or making it for as a post, making it something that you wow. make as a unsponsored ad. If you're using it for a YouTube post, Instagram post, or Facebook post, it's, it has to be formatted in different ways. Gosh, like mm -hmm. let me tell you, it's not as simple as it is, as simple as it looks. And there's a reason why some people are successful at it, some people are not, because some people decide to put in the time and put in the effort because it's worth it. And mm. uh, for, for all of the realtors, entrepreneurs out there, I'm at least from my end, I can tell you it's very important. And for me, it's been very impactful and it's impacted my business in a very positive way. So I highly recommend do it, start it. And if you're not good at it, you will eventually with practice over time, get good at it. Cause I wasn't mm. good at it to begin with, but I've done it so much now that I've, learned it and Reps. I'm so quick in comparison to what I was before. Right. There's, there's a lot there of you know, what you're talking about. And I, and I don't know if, if maybe our editing team can just put those clips on all those little angles of what she just talked about. You know, so many different areas of opportunity when you're making sure everything's right. That's mm -hmm. what it's all about being an entrepreneur. It's all on you. Definitely. It's all on me. I mean, the outcome that they're looking for is just getting their job done and doing editing. My outcome is of making it the shit. So yep, and they, can they come to me and say, this is, this is the best I can do. I can't do it. This, don't ever tell me you can't do something or you won't do something. Yeah, we'll finish this job out and this contract, but you're no longer going to be working with me or being around me. Yeah. Like, yep. I, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for dominance. Yeah. I'm not and looking want, for good or great yep. dominance. And I want my, for example, for me, I want my videos to stand out and be different. Something that people mm -hmm. will remember that won't bore them. So many real estate videos nowadays are slow, just showing everything. And oh my gosh, honestly, like, like freaking if you like really just nails on a chalkboard. Exactly. Like it'll, if you just want to see the interior and whatever, like maybe you'll watch that whole thing. But I know at least 95% of the people will never watch that thing to the end, ever. And you want your property to stand out. You want people to come to the open house. All you need for your properties is that one right buyer. That's it. Mm -hmm. From this 7 billion people in the world, you need one right buyer to come and purchase your property. So you need to make sure your videos are fast, creative, and something that'll stand out. In my last video that I did, I wore a bright pink suit, brought my dog out, showed the area, and was quick, fast, talked about how this pricing is so well, you're getting a townhome for the price of a condo. Like... That is something you that led, you well, led with that. I watched that video. And I think that's why I sent you that message. Like, holy shit, you don't, people don't realize how much work, but even goes with bringing your dog out. And then what you were wearing, there was a purpose behind it. Wasn't it? hundred percent. I want something that's to stand out. So people, it's not about me in that video, but people will stop because they'll see someone in a pink suit and they'll start listening to my words. And my words are talking about my client's property. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be something different so that people will get their stop, attention watch. And just from that video, I had so many people come to the open house. So many people call me about the property, which is exactly what my client wants. My client wants really good that editor, one right fire. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you. I appreciate really it. I have West, a very strong team as well. So no, yeah, well, that's all about a team. I mean, you have to lift them up and elevate them. I mean, every 100%. time someone says something to Wes or someone's like, wow, you guys are doing an amazing job. It's a team. I never say, yeah, thank you. Not I say it's my it's a team effort, man. Even yeah. when they're dog shit at that time, <laughs> you know, even when they weren't that great and they don't realize that I did it for them, 
Well, I just need, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to elevate others and inspire others to do better and want that, the overall outcome of dominance. Like, I'm not just trying to win. I'm trying to win by a margin, a gap. Like when they say my name or they say Wes's name, we're trying to win by that much. They're going to know exactly what we're coming to bring. And then they're going to feel that from us. I mean, Wes, let me talk a little bit about that just real quick on the importance of you relaying the messages with your team and accept it. Don't accepting anything less than the best from what you're trying to put out. Yeah, it's, it's your standard, right? And that's what really, when, I'm, when we're speaking to you, Taraji, is that it's your standard is so much higher, right? That's your competitive advantages because you won't yeah. settle for anything less than the best. Where I think you make such a huge difference with your posts and with everything that you do is that you make people feel different. Right. So where that boring old real estate video of them just slow motion and all that, it's just mm-hmm. another real estate video. You're kind of selling them on the, on what this could be for you, right? What this could represent for you. And that's where, that's what caught my eye, especially really it's, it. and that shows your standard. So when you, when, when your standard is so apparent, then people know this is what I can expect working with you, right? right? Yeah. This, this is what I can expect to have. What I see here is exactly what it's going to be. And then you meet them with that expectation when they actually work with you. And now you have a lifetime client. And I think that's connects to that so well. 100%. Thank you so much. And yeah, that's exactly how it is. I want to show people, no matter if they are my client or why my client or just, they're just curious about my work. I want to show them the level of quality that I'll bring to the table. Yeah. Every wow. and, that, and that's who you are. So mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't control anything else. Right? You yeah. can't control what anybody else thinks Thank or you. you can, you can influence, but you, you, you can be yourself. And if yourself, if you are that standard, then that's, and that's all that you're going to put out. And that, yeah. that's clearly what's happening here. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm as well deserving. I mean, like, you're never going to compromise that, the outcome. Mm-hmm. Never. Either you're going to be with me or against me at the end of the day. You can go work for the competition if you like to, be, you like to lose. <laughs> I'm here to win. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not afraid to turn down people either. If I think that they're not going to be the right fit for me. And I think that's so important to know who wants to work with you because of your services and because of what you bring to the table or for any other ulterior Mm -hmm. purpose. And I think Mm -hmm. believe in yourself, um, hold yourself to a certain quality and you're going to have business just coming in over and over again and um, be consistent. I can't repeat that enough. Be consistent with Mm -hmm. your work. Absolutely. absolutely. Consistency is important, not just from the output and what you're trying to accomplish, it's your standards in tied in, into that. And Wes, I didn't mean to talk over you just for a second, but when you're looking at that and you're trying to figure out where you kind of really want to be. And I know that when Wes and I, when we very first started a podcast, it went from the, the podcast started from our conversations, just normal conversations. Mm-hmm. And then went from, okay, maybe we start record this shit. Because I think that people should maybe hear what we're talking about. Because then we're starting to rub elbows with the you know major players in a the game. They will realize that they're only surface level. And I think that's something that where you can make a huge impact in the real estate game, especially what you're doing. People don't realize how deep you are, but at least that maybe you, you catch their attention, whatever it is, and they have that conversation. It's not about what you're – I guess, Wes, if I can probably try to explain it, to where I don't sound crazy. Absolutely. And it's because of who she represents. Right. Right. Thank you so much, you guys. I so, really right. appreciate that. That's very Absolutely. kind of you. Mm-hmm. And right. I, so, I know we're getting close to, to wrapping up here. So Taraj, you had mentioned to us before we kind of started recording, um, you mm-hmm. talked about the Anthem project. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you mind filling in the listeners on a little bit more on the background of that? Sure thing. Yeah. So 
um, my team works with different developers on different projects, whether they're in pre-sale or whether they're in resale. Um, the project that we had worked on right before this, we uh, brought it out right, right at, at the very beginning of COVID. And everyone was telling us, are you guys crazy? You <laughs> are going to bring out a new pre-sale project in COVID time. And basically 100% of the marketing that we did was off of my social media page. And we ended up selling 50% of that pre-sale project in the first month which was unheard of because all the other pre-sales that were already running for a while could not sell at all because people were too scared. But we worked away with our marketing to bring people out. Right after that, Anthem Properties approached us because they saw our marketing for that project. And they said, we love what you're doing and we would love to work with you too on this project that we have that's ready. And then afterwards, another one that's going to be a pre-sale. So um, next month, we're going to be working with them on a pre-sale. And then there's West Third that's currently available right now for sale, which one of the videos that did that townhome video was for one of the um, one of the properties that's ready at mm -hmm. West Third. And then I'm going to be releasing two other videos. One of them is going to be um, Marjan and I uh, together presenting the entire project. And another one's going to be with actors that we're going to be hiring to showcase one of our biggest three bedroom suites in that um, entire complex. And we're going to be doing it in Chinese, Farsi, and in English. Oh, wow. um, just about it. Those are the biggest demographics that we do have in Vancouver. And we think those are the biggest uh, potential uh, buyers of that um, mm -hmm. building too. So that's, that's amazing. I, would you just mentioned a couple of things and I don't know why I'm, I, I don't want to say it anyway, because I'm going to probably burst in a confetti if I don't say it. I have one of those problems and no filter. And I try to hold myself back. I like, ah, I burst in the confetti. You mentioned that there's a, the Chinese market, right? Yep. And there's a lot of opportunity and I'm, and you know, I'm in London. I cannot tell you how many investors, Chinese investors that from Beijing and all the different areas of, of owning places and seeing opportunities and even guys, and it's a beautiful area. I've never been to Vancouver. Never. It's I haven't even been to Canada. I, I got to go. I, I, Toronto, those types of things. Cool. But that is just from the pictures of looking at that just beautiful area, like gorgeous it's area. Gorgeous. Yeah. And so many people from Beijing, Hong Kong, Shanghai, mm -hmm. they want to, not only moved here, they have already moved here and they want their kids yes. to be able to go to school here. They buy their children property. Over here, we have a foreigner's right. tax, foreign buyer's tax of 20%. And even with that tax, it's more affordable for them to buy in Vancouver than it is in, let's say, Beijing or Hong Kong. So mm -hmm. that's why we do have a lot Especially of- in London, it's investors. expensive here. Yeah, it's very expensive in London too. In New York, I know it's also expensive, similar to there. Um, so a lot, we have a lot of investors. Currently, right after COVID especially, people are just starting to say, my- life and where I live is more important than ever because you never know when there's this worldwide pandemic that's going to come up. So, so many people from Europe, uh, China, Asia in general, even California, which is right under Vancouver, are making a move to Vancouver. And mm -hmm. they're thinking, this is the kind of lifestyle I want, something that's more calm. Our knock on wood cases of um, COVID are very, very minimal here compared to most places in the world. And it's because mm -hmm. people listen and they have been wearing masks. They don't go out when they weren't supposed to. They did quarantine. And that's why we've been able to keep our cases very low. And we don't allow other people still to come in. And people are recognizing that around the world that Canada is a very amazing place to live in, especially Vancouver. So we're getting mm -hmm. a lot of more um, international investors in our city now. I think that, I mean, I'm obviously looked, I'm invested in a lot of different types of things. And I know that Wes was in, you know, he's looking into investing in a couple of different real estate deals he has himself. This mm -hmm. could be a definitely something in the future. Maybe we'll have a Let conversation. Let me know if you're ever interested, for sure. I right, for sure. Help you guys it's out. always good. It's always good to have multiple, you know, different locations and different places, just, to, you know, vacation home, or it could be just another home, maybe a Definitely. home for, 
somebody in my family, whatever. I don't know. I, that's the way I look at it because people don't understand about entrepreneurship and giving back. And, and that's one thing that I want to touch on just real quick. And I know you, you kind of mentioned it, the, the, the charity that you give to and why that's so important for you. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's that one missing piece that a lot of people well, entrepreneurs forget that, yeah, you can be dominating your industry and dominating in, in, in sales or in business or in real estate. But if you're not giving back and if it's not visibly seen, then you're going to come across a certain way. But I know that it's not about the impression. It's about who you are and it comes from you as inside. And I think that's something beautiful. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about the charity that you give to? For sure. So the BC Cancer Foundation is um, who I've been working with for a couple of years now. And they're an incredible group where um, they have researchers and they have uh, different patients that they help. I've physically gone there and seen the work they do. It's absolutely incredible. We have three major events that we host a year. The one that's upcoming in, on September 11th, which is the one that I recently posted about, is called Hope Couture. And we usually host this as a 300-person huge gala um, at the Fairmont Hotel. And we get so many wonderful sponsors coming out there. Because of COVID and the government restrictions right now, we have to do this event virtually and honestly all right. the other events that have been happening uh, all the other gals and trade events have done the exact same thing and it's funny for me to say that even though this year our event is going to be virtual we still have huge things that are going to be happening we have for every ticket purchase we're going to be giving everyone baskets of over 950 dollars worth of different items to make the experience seem real to them but other than that we've gotten more donations already than any other year just because people know the struggle that our team is going through, but people know this cause is going towards such a good cause. Right. Other people feel the need to still want to give back. Lung cancer, just uh, this year, um, Hope Couture is um, raising funds for lung cancer. And lung cancer kills more than breast, prostate, and colon cancer combined, which is honestly something that it's, I, I cannot believe that. And it goes under the radar so much. Like I, not to say that anything else is not important, but I just haven't seen enough people talking about lung cancer and how it's affecting mm -hmm. people. Last year, 1.8 million people died of it around the world. And it's, if we put in more money into research, your life, expect life expectancy can go from 18% to 72%. That is huge. Right. Um, there are people of all ages who get it as well. It's, it's really sad. So this is a cause I really believe in and um, helping with the BC Cancer Foundation. Every year we choose something different to support. And this year it happens to be lung cancer. I just, yeah, a lot of people don't understand. People think that lung cancer is only for smokers. It's not. I mean, no, not at all. You can, be, you can be any healthy as ever, never a smoker and still get lung cancer and right. die from it at a very early age too. Right. It's a I mean, you gotta be grateful for every day that you have. I mean, I, it comes with everything that you do, even like more so for the last thing, eight months of myself, I've taken a lot more vitamins and even one of the vitamins, and it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's actually, of, um, I can't remember what it's, it's herbal, but it has mm -hmm. everything to do with the clarity in your lungs. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and I've even seen a difference um, with just even certain things. I mean, because we work from home now because of this COVID crap. Of course, so, yeah. And not getting outside as much as possible. So I try to make a point to make sure that I'm sitting on my balcony or at least go down there for a walk or running or whatever I'm doing. That Chris, really you and help. I are lucky to live in cities and countries where we also have very clean air. There are people right. who live in areas where um, not only is, let's say, their main city's air very polluted, they may live in areas where there's pollution from different factories or things around them, too, that's polluting their lungs. 
and a lot of people just think like you said it's just from smoking it's not um it, uh, a lot of we have a lot of chinese sponsors this year just because lung cancer we've noticed kills more chinese than most other races because of where they live the polluted air it you, does really make yeah. a huge huge difference right I, th- I think that's important yeah um even in london they passed a thing where i think it's a <clears throat> excuse me they have to pay a city tax to go into the city because the city is, is they're trying to clean it up to where there's the zero diesel, yeah. zero diesel um, engines. They and you're starting to see now, especially in Canary Wharf. I don't know if you've you've been to London though, haven't you? I have been to London. Yeah, I think we we talked about it before. I'm in the financial district, and it's I guess a little bit. I'm going from the south. It's called uppity, a little bit more of <laughs> the financial district. And you're seeing all the like the the plug-in cars, right? The energy on the different roads. It's not a gas station mm-hmm. anymore. People just stopping, getting a little bit of energy and moving on. But it's just, I think it's important because even like the, I saw somewhere where the COVID, like pre-COVID and then after COVID, the, the air quality and the pollution and even the sky is different. I think that's cool. Yep. So, yeah. But um, I agree. For the most part, I know that, I mean, thank you so much for staying a little bit longer than we initially expected. And I know that the value that you brought to our listeners, for the most part, I know that how we can find you, but for those who maybe are underneath that rock up until now, how can our listeners and our audience like really reach out to you and and get to know more about you and and really make an impact? For sure. Um, Feel free. Honestly, my Instagram is a very good way to reach out to me. Send me a DM. I'm very good at replying back to people. Um, at Taraji M is my Instagram handle and then, or feel free to send me an email Taraji at Mazaheriteam.com. Either one. Great. Great. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much, Wes. Anything you would like to add and, and maybe put a bow on this. It's been a phenomenal episode. Absolutely. Now just follow Taraji and, you know, she, you know, don't just look at the real estate that she puts up and, and the beautiful work <laughs> that she does, but look at the standard that she holds and mm-hmm. Taraji, we're, we're really thankful to have you on. Thank you for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Pleasure's all ours. I'm, I'm be honest with you. I'm serious. I think that there's so much here for our listeners making an impact. So if, if you're in real estate or if you're not in real estate, whatever, you just want to win, pay attention, write down some notes. So other than that, guys, take care. <laughs>